young boy, I had a vision of dreams that would become me. My late night adventures, my sweet youth. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and you're listening to Radio Harbor Country. WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Johnny Secret Stash is underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And we're here today in the studio with uh, the Bergamot. That's uh, Jillian Spies, Nathaniel Hoff, and we're very excited to hear from them before that, why don't we listen to one of their songs? Here we go. This is Young Again. And listen for the references to the South Shore Line. Here we go. When I was a young boy, I had a vision of dreams that would become me. My late night adventures, my sweet youth surrender Learning who I'd rather be Well, I held on to my grandpa's clock Gave it all that I had well, Life was an ocean and I was the captain Set on a journey to sea Cause I always wanted to be older but now that I'm older, I want to be young again. Well, I want to be young again. Now that I'm older, I'm not too much stronger, and there are scenes I want. Go dancing in Nashville and backpack the Rockies Hold on to everything Fall asleep with New York City Kelly's calling my name When North Carolina meets old West Virginia Atlanta, please hold my hand Cause I The 
that I'd been living in It washed up there, right on the shore The world I'd seen, I wanted nothing more Then to take the hand of Miss Liberty And dance from last dance just hurt me There's always a scene, you know, there's always a place where you can go to be a part of something bigger than just your music. And I think by having an open mic night there, it really encourages people to one, step out, and two, to be able to create a community of support that can grow something like a nationally touring act such as ourselves. It all started in that really supportive community. Well, that's terrific. We, um, uh, we're talking with members of the Bergamot, Jillian Spies and uh, Nathaniel Hoff, uh, a couple married and uh, from... Brooklyn, New York now, mm-hmm. but you um, grew up in um, in uh, South Bend, Michigan. Yep, yep. And and we were just talking about how you got your first start at the Acorn Theater, and that uh, y- well, you've been playing together for a little bit before that, but that was sort of your first mm-hmm. big stage presence that got you motivated and uh, moving along, and that was almost ten years ago now. Yeah, amazing. Um, so uh, how did, did you, I understand from looking at your bio on your website, you guys originally met in high school, mm-hmm. right? I did, yes. Uh, and did you know each other before you started playing together? So quick little side story about that. We both had an art teacher at Marion High School. Her name was Kitty Gunty. And she was one of those, oh man, teacher of the year or awarded teachers every year because she was just so enthusiastic and so encouraging to all the students. And and so we weren't in the same art class, but she knew him from one of our art classes. She knew me from one of the art classes. And then I don't know how she put this together, but one day we were in the hallway. I was in her class and he was in the hallway and she grabbed me out of the hallway. She's like, you two need to write a song together. Wow. Said, you, you have to write a song. I need you to do this. Actually, within like three or four weeks, we're like, what? What do you need this song for? We don't even know each other really. And she was like, well, I need you to write a song together because Marion High School has to put something into this state competition and she's like i know you sing and write and you sing and write and she's like maybe that would be something cool and we're like 
all right, we're like, oh, maybe we'll do it. And then she did not, she was relentless because <laughs> we were like kind of blowing her off a little because we're like, oh, she's so fun, but I don't know if we, and every day she would ask, have you written the song yet? And we're like, oh God, we, we better write this song. So we wrote the song together and, and it, we made it in the top 10 of the state and we're like, Maybe we should keep writing songs. Together. <laughs> this yeah, is thank really God fun. For that and song, you know. I mean, if it wasn't for that song, I don't know if uh, if the whole thing would have taken off. Because uh, I think I was into Jillian in the beginning, but I'm not so <laughs> sure that the feelings are mutual. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then she heard your songwriting ability. Yeah, and she was like, like, "Okay, oh, all right." So He's so sensitive. Yeah. Then I was like, and "Okay, well, there's something." He was he was actually really really shy in high school and painfully I, shy. Painfully shy. So I was like, "Oh, I don't know." About this guy he's really quiet and like he thinks a lot <laughs> then i just remember being like but then i started hanging out with him and then all like, the markings of a songwriter yes. right? yeah for sure it's all in there it's just gotta there, yeah. scrape it out or yeah whatever. it was like i you know if you put me on a stage there's no there's no feelings of social anxiety but you put me in a room full of people and he's you like, know Ooh. conversations have to happen and it's just oh. not so fluid i, I hear you yeah you know? so <laughs> i mean how does how is that that uh, you know you feel more comfortable on yeah. stage and uh, how did you even figure that out Man, was that something that uh, i think it was just so i was not like super popular in high school i was just kind of you know doing my own thing and um and i remember one night uh we played at a place so this is going to throw in some little bit of south bend history music history but um uh, we played at a place called higher grounds uh, in downtown south bend and um it was uh you know it was just supposed to be like a night before thanksgiving and i think about 260 people showed up it was because i was in the band we were from marion uh-huh. high school we had our bassist was from michelle uh, riley high school we had a saxophone player that was from uh adams high school and it was like and we were i was just like yeah blow it out to all you know just invite everybody you can oh, man. and it um, and we packed the place and i remember we it was a coffee shop i don't know why i thought you know it'd be cool to bring in like risers into a coffee shop you uh-huh. know here i was like a sophomore in high school <laughs> and um and so we brought in risers and we had all this fun and it was just kind of like that was one of my first ever memories of boy you know i could stand up on a stage like that and it was you know felt super natural not not supernatural but like it felt really natural yeah and um and so it was that was the beginnings of i think it was like oh you know this is something that i could definitely do um for a living and and People still to this day actually have commented on that show, really? that show at Higher Grounds. I have a picture of it. Um, and that yeah. was before you guys met and were thrown together yep. to, to yep. write this song? Totally. Yep. Yeah. That was in 2000. That would have been in 2000, uh-huh. that show, okay. 2000, 2001. Right. And then I, I got met, into the open mic nights. And I blah, met blah, you blah. in 2003. Yep. So I was a sophomore at Marion. I was 15 and he was 17. And prior to our art teacher being like, you guys have to do this. I was involved in the liturgical choir, so I was actually really. I got nervous. kicked out of the liturgical choir. <laughs> <kicked out> <laughs> so he got kicked you out. You guys would have met earlier. Maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> earlier <laughs> under different like, circumstances for sure. <laughs> he got kicked out, and then I came in the scene, and so we we didn't meet there. But I I was actually I loved hanging out with people, so I was more talkative amongst friends and and at parties or whatever. But on stage, I was horrified. So. I would, I really had to force myself. I had to talk myself into singing in front of people. And I remember it was, oh man, shortly after I got to Marion, I went up to the, I like had practiced for like weeks, like what I was going to tell the liturgical choir director because I wasn't in the choir. And I, I went up to him and I was like so nervous. And I had a piece of paper that had a song in it that I would love to sing. It was called El Shaddai. And uh, I just said, hey, 
and everybody had like left mass and it was at the end I was supposed to be going to class but I like was you know hanging back and so I was like hey my name is Jillian and I would I would really love to be in the liturgical choir I don't know how to be in it or if there's tryouts or whatever he said we do tryouts and I said okay great and he's like do you have a song in mind that you want to try out with I said well it's called El Shaddai it's an Amy Grant song and he's like do you happen to have it on you and I had it in my pocket just in case because I was like I didn't really know was what it I was a cassette no it was a piece of paper it was piece actually paper. The, oh. all oh, the, it was the words the music and on the, paper. the notes uh-huh. I was expecting like some sort of pocket rocker or something oh, I would love that yeah <laughs> so I, I gave it to him it was all crumpled up and he like, put it on the piano he's like well do you want to just try out now and I was like Oh, okay, we're gonna do this. Um, I was like, "All right, yeah. let's do it," and I was so nervous, but I sang it. And um, and then he looked at me and he was like, "Yeah," he's like, "This was great," and I was like, "Really?" And he was like, "How about in two days you sing this in front of the whole school?" <laughs> and I was God. like, "Okay, two days, yeah, like I can do that." And then I was like, "Wait, what did I just agree to?" I was like, "And then I did." That and is... I sang that, and that was the first time you heard me. You were singing. You were sitting with the school. I was. Mm-hmm. That was my first ever time singing in front of. It was like 800 people or something, and I did it, and I was like shaking through it, but, <laughs> and it kind of was all like you black out. You know, you're singing it, but you're like, oh, am I gonna? Am I doing this? And then after I sang that. I was known in this, throughout the school as El Shaddai Girl. So still to this, to this day, day as well. Day. That's another one. Like El Shaddai yeah. Girl. <laughs> People love that. So the power of El Shaddai, I guess. You know, yeah. it's, it's those high school El memories Shaddai. that just never leave you. Amy <laughs> Grant's version, though, it just gets to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's... So you had both written songs before you met each other. Mm-hmm. What did you do with those songs? Were they things that you I played a, in front of people? Yeah, Were you already I, in that band so at that time? I'll, so basically, I got really into self-recording in 2002. Brought an M-Box and I had a massive computer. I mean, you'd be, you know, you'd be like back in the day when you know it took 25 yeah. minutes to turn on a computer, right. and you know you'd have to like <laughs> run the computer for 20 minutes before you could load up Pro Tools. And anyway, so I used to make a few recordings like that. I still have an album. Of stuff it was like experimental folk pop electro mm-hmm. you know I was, I was using like fruity loops and all sorts of like free software at the time and just making really collage stuff that sounded really um i thought it sounded cool but i'll never forget my first like musical true musical memory when i knew i i had something special um i had given an, an album to my german teacher and she listened to it, and the next day she came back to school, and she was like, this is the worst music I've ever heard. Oh, and I was like, wow, I can do this. This is <laughs> yeah. going to be great. Yeah. I've got a career ahead you, of me. You pushed some buttons. Yeah, I did. I was <laughs> like, if it's the worst, I mean, because yeah. truly in music, you know, I, I don't want to make music that people just listen to, and they're just like, you know, I don't feel anything. It's like, man, if you can make something that people really love or something that people really hate, you might be making something kind of interesting. There you Are go. You like 14 or 15? I was 14, oh and, you know, God. I was just pressing record and doing all sorts of weird stuff. And maybe in I actually some, still, I have I have a collection of. There's your actually a couple people CDs. who have have that CD still, and they'll bring it to shows CD. or whatever. Jillian still has that CD. Like all of his early stuff. It's like uh, I used to have like songs like uh, every once in a while. There's a song called "The Cold Blue Rail." I don't know why. You know, like what about a cold blue rail was fascinating when I was in high school. I have no idea, but I wrote a whole song about it, and um, I still have people that. Uh, a good friend of ours in Chicago, actually, who would come to a show and always ask for that song. And obviously, I can't even remember it. I'd have to sit down. And But, you know, that was with the beginnings. It was extremely experimental. And um, But it's not like what you have today. I mean, in today's music world, you can literally sit in a closet and make something that could realistically be on TV. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. But in the early days of making recordings in your bedroom, it was like, oh, that sounds like 
after you made it in your bedroom, uh-huh. it sounds like miserable. You know? Turn on the tape recorder. And, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, you even had more advanced. Digital, at uh, least. Yeah. yeah, you were using digital methods. Yeah, and, and digital, though, and the funny thing was, in early 2000s, the digital stuff sounded so bad. Like, I heard people recording that were going to studios and recording to tape, and it sounded, you know, and still to this day, sounds really good. Good tape recordings are just un- unreplaceable. Sure, yeah. But those early, early digital recorders were just like, oh, man. It just it could take any decent sounding signal and make it yeah pretty well and it was probably more focused on dictation yes. or uh, recording just voices just for recollection as opposed to you know trying to pull out all the tones and yeah, the proper yeah, sound yeah. in the song. So this song that the music teacher pushed you guys to get together to to write, what was the song? What kind of song was yeah. that? Okay, so what we had done is I had written a melody and the lyrics and he and I, I presented them to him and he was like, Oh sweet, let's like polish this up and he's like, I'll put the music to it and change some stuff and arrange. And it was called The Seasons Change. Oh. Hmm. And, Appropriate hmm. for yeah. this part of the world. It is, isn't it? <laughs> and it That's was right. it was a love song that I had written from the perspective of so unfortunate series of events happened where my uncle passed away from cancer Mm. and my mom helped take care of him and our family helped with that. And right before he died, he met like the love of his life. And it was like one of these, uh, just tragic. Yeah. It's rough. It was for everybody. (laughs) For her, for him. And I saw all that play out. And so it, it, it like, I wrote it from the perspective of him with his new love and like, how beautiful that was. It was quick, but it was amazing. It was like the most incredible love that I've seen. And so the whole story of the song was, you know, as the seasons are changing, cause he only, he literally like the day before he met her, he was diagnosed with cancer uh-huh. and he didn't, I think he made it right under a year. So it was like all, all four seasons yeah. together. So it was this introspective look on love and loss. And um, I think there was a line in there like, yeah, it started off with, all the memories are here, through the window seasons change, in a dusty frame of old time, I will remember your face, when it's cold outside. I can hear your voice when the wind blows. And it just went on. Fifteen years old, though. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> what, and uh, so after you guys wrote the song, did you play it to the music teacher? What did you do with it? I recorded, recorded it. it. Oh, recorded it. Okay. Yeah. So um, in this tiny nook, in the yeah. little point tiny of nook, the using a, the original <laughs> M box was uh, for any uh, any people who are into the gear side of it. But mm-hmm. uh, burned it onto and uh, burned it onto a CD, and then we sent it over the uh, art teacher, and then she made it. You know, sent it down to she the competition, made it rain. and that was <laughs> and that was it. You know, I think I submitted a bunch of songs, but that was the song that got featured, and you know, so it was it was a fun experience to to do that. And to, um, you know, just to, to just be kind of shooting from the cuff. I mean, we were super young and, and we just didn't know what the heck we were doing. But in some ways, I mean, that was kind of a little sign of like, hey, you don't know what you're doing, but keep going. Uh-huh. Yeah, you yeah. might have might something interesting. Something. <laughs> you might be on like a 15 year journey to make something interesting with this. So just hang in there. 
Oh, you can look back in retrospect. I mean, yeah. It's been a pretty productive uh, 15 years. You guys are now yeah. married and yeah. you've yeah. moved to uh, Brooklyn and uh, how many albums? Six albums? Seven albums? Yeah, yeah. we've had and a couple You just released Mayflies a yep. um, couple September. months ago. September yeah. 19th. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, and, and, I mean, you've had all kinds of successes. You've um, got the Emmy Award. Can't wait to hear about that. Yeah, that was um, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The things that happen, yeah. Yeah. Well, so in your personal lives, uh, how did you go from being thrown together to write this song to, you know, liking each other enough that you wanted to get married yeah what? yeah what did happen there gosh well um of course i found my way to another song so again so i was a senior in high school at that time at marion and um i uh was getting ready to make my this is another funny part of the story but we were actually both division one uh college athletes is that right and uh we'll put what? you on we'll yeah, put you on the, the spot here uh if you can guess what uh, what sport we played, nobody's oh, ever guessed same it sport? right. Same, same sport, and, and nobody's ever guessed it right on the first guess because I think they look at us and they think there's no way. But go to that sport. We the don't sport look the you way we did that. There's no way. All right. Well, uh, I think my first guess would be women's and men's basketball, but maybe that no. Yeah, no. Mm. All right. What about Smallest track? ball. Oops. There's yeah, a ball involved. Track a lot. Uh, so not. Well, not tennis, is it? Nope, no. smaller ball. I've Even smaller than that? Smaller. Same kind of vein. It's like this big. Yeah, I mean, really ping tiny. pong? You get uh, it looks no. like a ping pong ball. It's a hard <laughs> looks ball. very much like a ping pong ball, but it's <laughs> hard, and it goes a lot further. G ends in L. All. F. <laughs> All right, I, I'm Cult. not fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of, a, I didn't really think of it as a hard ball. It, that's true. Okay. The, the crazy yeah. thing no, is I can see that. We in just always 90s, try to. It's not like, growing, I feel yeah. like growing up in the 90s in the Midwest, there's an abundance of that's land. That's true. There's there, a lot yeah, of there was a lot grass. of golf courses everywhere. Little, Studebaker is a special yeah. spot. It's a very special location. If, if you haven't ever heard of Studebaker, there's a little par three golf course and that's where we started. Oh, I didn't realize this that is true. there's a golf course. I mean, I yeah. knew they made Studebakers in South Bend. Yeah. Yes, that yes. Was original. And I think that the, the, the nine hole golf course, it was in oh. downtown right in the heart. Cause I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those golf oh. courses, you know, there could be, there's tons of land around South Bend, but it's like right in the heart is of South Bend. It's right oh. near Riley high yeah. school. Oh, and, okay. um, and yeah, that was where we learned. I mean, my mom, I think it was great for her because she probably just dropped us off at six in the morning and could pick us up at noon or one and we'd yeah. play nine holes and, you know, it was all kind of like, you know, it was a great experience. How old were but, you when you started? Um, I was about six or seven, I a couple years five. before I picked up the guitar. When you guys started playing? My sister, yeah. Jackie, Golf. and I, my mom would drop us off there. And, well, mom would probably walk with us because the thing is they didn't let, like, you had to be, I think, six or seven and I pretty sure i was either four or five and they said well we don't usually have little littles do this but they said well if she can carry a bag and walk and keep up with the other kids she can do it so <laughs> i go. remember like just That's like amazing. sweating and like, set. I, i'm like amazed that you guys were you know both playing golf at early <laughs> ages both writing songs and playing music and and sounds like you knew maybe even of each other but yeah, you didn't we didn't really even kind of know each other no, we were until you got thrown passing together in a lot of circles but yeah, not super them. aware of each other and and yeah and it kept us out of a lot of trouble i mean geez that <laughs> was one way to uh throw a guitar and a golf club into a kid's hand and that will keep you pretty busy for about yeah. 25 years <laughs> <laughs> and right. um but the and, uh, and then when you get really old you know the golf will be yeah it perfect. comes right back yeah, yeah it comes right back and you get you to know, enjoy it again the yeah. uh the funny thing is is that so 
going back to how it all came together in our relationship, yeah. you know, the uh, so I was getting ready to uh, have I was going to get a Division One scholarship in Fort Wayne to play golf and pursue music actually as well. So um, I was getting ready to kind of like get ready to move, and it was like the winter of twenty two thousand four. And I had written Jillian a song kind of saying like, hey, you know, like this has been fun and we've had some good times and we did a couple cool things. But, you know, I'm going to be moving on with my life. And, you know, just the, I can't remember what that song was called, um, but I wrote it for her and I gave it to her for Christmas. It's kind of like, hey, you know, it's been really sweet hanging out with you, but I don't know if, where this is all going because who knows what will happen. And then that started the wheels. Those then the oh. wheels started to turn because the <laughs> the table started to shift. She was like, "Well, so you're leaving?" It's like, "Yeah, well, I'm gonna go. You know, I'll be playing golf well, and I'll be traveling." And she was like, "Well, maybe." Wait a second. This song, I actually remember this song. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, "Maybe so you know." It was a love song, but it was also like a farewell love song. It's, it was like half half love, half, half farewell. Lo- yeah, it was like talking about. Oh man, it almost came back. The melody was coming back, but. It was essentially being like, oh, like, this has been so much, essentially, like, this has been so much fun in a much more elegant, cool, like, songwritery way. And then he, like, said all these sweet things and then was like, but, you know, I'm moving, like, kind of ahead to the next journey, hope to see, or something like that. Was that sort of the first hint that you had that he liked you more than just a songwriting partner? Yes. Yeah, I think your mom and dad were listening, too, and they were like, oh, this is a really nice song, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And my sister was like, whoa, I think this is, like... This is like a hey, what do you? For me, I was just you know song. I was writing it like a this little song. Being honest, you know? yeah, <laughs> being, honest. being honest. And I remember that was Christmas of two thousand three, so that's crazy to think about. But we, that was my Christmas present. I played that, and he got some other sweet little things. But and I played that. And I, was like, <laughs> I don't crying. remember what those were though. <laughs> I do really cool Funny how that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I remember to listen to the song on, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. I remember listening to it, being like, oh my gosh, I'm like crying. I'm like, oh whoa, like I think I think this is like maybe something more than I don't think we're just friends anymore <laughs> it's like yeah. I think this is like a hey do you want to be more than friends and then I thought about it, I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna be like so sad when you leave and but we were hanging out like all the time we, we had become like really I would say best friends at that point like we were constantly calling each other we always want to be with each other and then it was yeah. like oh where's this going and where and is this? Where is this going? Love. That is the question. Yeah. Still to be answered. Where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think we're still figuring that one out. But we're having a heck of a time Wait, doing it. Figuring our relationship or the music? <laughs> we're, we're all okay. going. I love it. No, we're, we're kidding. We're, he's like, okay. Yeah, we're let's break this up. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're kidding. We're, we're. No, no, no. We. Uh, it's just like, you know, life. Uh, I mean, as soon as you choose a life in the arts, I mean, it's always... It's always, you know, crazy and fun and amazing (laughs) highs and lows. And um, it's all those things that you experience, even at the beginning levels of a career, you know, just learning your first couple of chords on the guitar. I mean, you learn kind of that the highs and the lows and then and to embrace those because that's where great songs are usually written and so um but we're always wondering what is the next thing what's going to be happening next year what's going to be happening i mean so it's always fun to to um you know the music's obviously the thing that that is that is the strand that pulls you through but uh life is complicated as well so i mean it all kind of starts you know started there and then and then it just progressed and progressed and and uh, how it's come to where it is now is a hard tale to tell, but it's uh, it's been an amazing story nonetheless. Well, I definitely want to hear you play that guitar. Yeah, uh, for sure. We are all set up. But let me, uh, so you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash, and this is Radio Harbor Country out of Three Oaks, Michigan, WRHC 106.7. 
and out of Sawyer, Michigan, 93.5 WRHZ. And uh, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Harbor Country Hydroponics out of New Buffalo, Michigan, for everything you need to grow your own secret stash. And I'm here with the um, the members of the Bergamot. It's uh, Jillian Spies and Nathaniel Hoff. And uh, Nathaniel's got his guitar. Jillian's got her voice. And you guys are all mic'd up. I'd love yeah, to hear what it. you have to play here. And what song yeah. is it you're going to play? Yeah, so we actually are going to sing a song called Remember This December. Um, it comes out tomorrow, oh, actually. No, today. It comes out, yeah, today. Yeah, Amazing. Today, yes. This is a, yes, so this is a it's scoop. a radio <laughs> premiere. All right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it's it's a fun little song uh, written. Um, we'll kind of talk a little bit later probably about our journey in 2016 that yeah. kind of led us to all 50 states and Emmy and all these other things. But at the end of that year, when we hadn't won any sort of things and we were kind of just reeling from the experience of going to all 50 states in 2016, um, this was the song I gave to Jill, I gave to Jill because uh, it was uh, a rough year financially, emotionally, physically, and we were just exhausted, had no money for presents, gifts, things like that. All we had was a dream that, you know, there's a better world out there and that we uh, wanted to pursue our music. And so I wrote this song to her as a little gift to say, I think we'll make it through, but tonight might not be as easy as we hoped it would be. All right. I don't have much time, but this never stopped me before. Every year we grow now, and every year I love you more. The path is uncertain, but the journey is clear. My hope for Christmas is to sing this loud and clear. Remember this December, I love you, my dear. Remember this December, I love you, my dear. I know it's been a long year, but let me tell you this. Just remember this December. Christmas time again now, another year in its way. These words are coming slow, but this is no gentle mistake. I want to sing I love you in a million different ways. These songs are my money and the lyrics let me say. Remember this December, I love you, my dear. Remember this December, I love you, my dear. I know it's been a long year, but let me tell you this. Just remember this December. time again and I'm broken so in love so I wrote these words remember this December I love you my dear 
Remember this December, I love you, my dear. I know it's been a long year, but let me tell you this. Just remember this December. Wow, thank you. That was terrific. And your voices are unbelievable. It's uh, and your guitar playing is so smooth, and I mean, you've been. Thank uh, you. it, it's probably been on your hip for you know twenty something years. <laughs> I was so. thinking about that today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I know a lot. I mean, life, man. It's like, yeah, most of it's known with this thing just chilling somewhere close by, <laughs> me trying to figure out something. <laughs> so that song was released today. That's so yes. exciting. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the and uh, you've got a, this show at the Acorn Theater yeah. later today tonight. Yep. Uh, the theme I think is uh, Christmas songs. Yeah, South Shore Christmas, and yeah. uh, tying it back in actually to the beginning of what you're saying is that where I was born, Michigan City, uh, the South Shore runs. Uh, as many people know who are listening who have ridden it, uh, runs right through the heart of Michigan City. Right. And Eleventh so, Street. Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy that there's a train on the middle of the. It street. kind of really yeah. is. Yeah. When I explain <laughs> to people like the South Shore experience, you're like, yeah, and then you hit Michigan City, and you're like, you know, you're like, on oh, the there's street. kids on the, you know, on their <laughs> bikes, and you know, dogs running around, and. You know, and it's that's a it's a crazy thing, but that's that's the life that I mean. I was uh, born and raised in Michigan City till I was about four or five, and then moved to South Bend. And so the lyric in Young Again talks about um, the special time and place in my heart, but not only uh, in that part of the song where it talks about kind of this, uh, you know, as the pendulum swings between youth and wisdom, um, and you kind of have this moment where you're realizing that you're, you know, when you're growing up, you're excited for what's to come, and then you have this moment of kind of epiphany where you realize, oh, you know, youth is being traded out for wisdom, and this thing is kind of shifting, and that there's no better or worse time in life. There's just life as it is in the moment that you're in, and you have to make the best of those moments, as tough as that can seem. And so in that moment, it's thinking about my time in Michigan City and thinking about, you know, this uh, removing the veil of, of life, uh, the youth veil, youth, youthful veil of life, and looking at it for what it is, but also at the same time maintaining kind of a, a childlike perspective looking forward, because I think we all have to have... If we lose our childlike wonder for the world, even as grown-ups, I think we, we miss something. And, um, and that song kind of explains it. So, it's, so we'd bring that South Shore kind of vibe of, of knowing and, and, and having experiences, a lot of experiences growing up. I mean, we rode the South Shore for the first time ever. Uh, you did, going to Chicago. Well, one special thing about the Christmas concert is we love Christmas. And so when we came up with this idea originally three years ago, we were like, oh, this is great. Like, what are our, what are some of our favorite Christmas classics? What are some of the songs that we might be able to write and bring into this mix as original artists? And then, of course, we're also going to play some songs off our new record that just dropped that are really fun. But for Christmas time is just, oh man, it's just like such a special time of year. The spirit of Christmas is something that is profoundly beautiful and much needed in our world today. And the things that come to light in that spirit from random acts of kindness, um, seeing old friends, people I haven't seen in a long time, family coming together once a year for a Christmas brunch or, you know, going and getting a Christmas tree are, are wonderful, beautiful traditions and rituals that make us who we are and, and make us celebrate aspects of our American culture 
and beyond that because America is just this beautiful melting pot of humans from all over the world and and bringing those traditions to the table every year. And one of the fun things that I remember when when I met him and I remember after he had given me that Christmas song and mm-hmm. we started really falling in love, I think he was already starting to fall in love and I started thinking, oh, maybe maybe I'm going to fall in love with this guy. But This um, guy. This guy over here. <laughs> but what I remember really thinking is like there's just – you know, spending time together, getting to know someone, laughing so hard that your abs hurt, you know, and you're on the floor, like, crying. And those are the things that we share together, and we share those things today. And and I think when, when you're in love with someone that you work with and you're creating these events and doing these cool things, you have to remember, you know, there's a lot of pressure in what we do, you know, stepping on stage, there's rehearsals, there's pressure to, to do X, Y, and Z, but... But when you get back to the simple things in life and in love, it, it really just comes down to being present with each other and, and just celebrating life. And I think there's no greater time in the year than Christmas to do that. You get to be with people, be present. You get to make special holiday cookies and, and put the fire on, which you never put on, or you know whatever it is, and, and play music. Music is just such an important and vital part to Christmas. And that's why we always do the 13th. We try and do it this always the, the Friday like the second Friday or yep, the first? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's always yeah, this like Friday. Uh-huh. Um, and it's our third annual. So, you know. And is it always at the Acorn? Have you? It's always, this is yeah. the, Actually, fun thing about this, it's we've always, we started at the Acorn. This is our third year there. But this is the first year ever where we took the concert on tour. So this will be uh-huh. our fourth show on this tour. Uh-huh. Uh, we finished a th- a 14-week run from New York to California and back. And then we started uh, right away within like five days, we started uh, a Christmas tour, this Christmas tour. And we took it to southern Indiana near Evansville, a place called New Harmony. Uh, Then we took it to Nashville. And then we just got back from Hazel, North Carolina. And now we're here. And then we go to Traverse Amazing. City to top it off next Thursday. Uh huh. And that'll be the last of the Christmas shows. Yep. Yeah. And then we start yep. back up on the tour. Um, you know, uh, the 28th of December. So, we um, this album's dropped. Um, it's been a whirlwind since then. We've had all these dates of Christmas long before the album dropped, and just because we knew that we wanted to do it again this year. And um, and then yeah, we're heading right back out on the road, and then we're opening. Uh, we're doing our first stadium performance actually at wow. the University of Notre Dame, opening for One Republic and American Authors um, on April twenty fifth, twenty twenty, at the Joyce what Center. Op- at the Joyce Center. Yeah, what a uh, opportunity! That's terrific. You yeah. guys have opened for some pretty big bands before. Yeah, Wiz yeah, Khalifa. We've, yeah. We, we've done like we did a we did this thing at Bud Light Battle of the Bands in twenty twelve, where we got to open for like all these. You know, it was like Wiz Khalifa and Flo Rida and Amer- um, who was. The America, American Rejects. I'm All American, All American Rejects. Rejects. Uh-huh. Young the Giant. Young the Giant. We had so many people that we got. It was such a cool kind of eclectic mix. Yeah. And, um, but this show on the 25th of April will be our largest show to date. Um, you know, just uh, I grew up listening to a lot of One Republic stuff and American authors as well. And so we're just super, super excited for that. It and um, really unbelievable yeah it's kind of a a surreal thing and you know i mean our days are pretty full as far as with rehearsals and practice and development of both the voice and you know and technique and all these things so there's so many things that fill up our day today but it is really fun to get out on the road and um and play you know play sets to people and tell stories and and you collect a lot of stories over a year i mean there's a lot of things that happen that are just you know you just realize man i I just how does this how does this fit together or what is this how does this happen 
happened or how did this happen? And so you get a little bit of a chance to kind of slow it all down and, and, and kind of parse it out into what it is. And, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's, it's so much fun to always come back here during this time of year and, um, and just get a chance to play some of our, our favorite songs. I couldn't imagine a better place than Three Oaks to come back to. Well, it, it's one of my we were talking about this ever. before the show was officially recording about how you guys yeah. got your first opportunity and and really the drive that took you into a more of a professional realm when you did the open mic at yep. the Acorn Theater. 100%. That uh I mean, what a what an opportunity now you're like coming back to the source after having all these successes around the world, around the country. Uh that's such a uh, unbelievable opportunity and clearly you guys seem to appreciate just about every moment you know yeah, <laughs> living sure, in the present and sure. and and really uh pulling out from every incident you know the the good and the bad and and uh, not just letting life pass you by yeah and no. then also trying to record it into your music, music and, yeah. and yeah. incorporate it into your music yeah it's and i think that that's that's terrific. that's a huge part talking about and then, I mean, even there's even little subtle nods to this part of the country too, with the the new album Mayflies. Um, you know, growing up in the in the Midwest, uh, Mayflies were just a part of my summer life growing up, a part of summer experience. You know, yeah. um, had a lot of memories. Uh, Jill and I, uh, Diamond Lake, not too far from here in Cassopolis, Michigan, uh-huh. um, and also on Lake Michigan here as well, Michigan City and uh, New Buffalo and. And, um, you know, the new album that we just released, it's all about um, things like talking about the South Shore uh, in Young Again and talking about the Mayflies experience that we had growing up and and everything that the Mayfly embodies, because I didn't actually know uh, what all the Mayfly, you know, that it's very specific to this part of the country, um, freshwater sources. And, you know, so Michigan is a big, big home for a lot of Mayflies during the summer months. And I just, you know, kind of thought that everybody had these kind of summer memories. But uh, once we started playing the song all throughout the country, you you know you be in the new york city you say how many people know what a mayfly is and one person <laughs> raises their hand and you're like where are you from and they're like you know indiana, indiana. Yeah, and, you know it's like it's like a, it's like a covert way of us connecting uh-huh. with our fans to say like hey if you know what a mayfly is good chances are you might be from indiana michigan ohio right. or illinois. illinois you know and so um so it's a really cool way for us to 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 speak to our fans and um and to speak to our friends as well and um one thing I wanted to add about that is for those who might not know what a mayfly is, so mayflies are these beautiful bugs that kind of resemble a dragonfly and they grow in the water and they can live in the water for a year or so. And then when they reach adolescent adulthood, they emer- they come out of the water and they grow a set of wings, tear those apart, grow a second set of wings. They find a partner, they mate, they lay the eggs, and then they die within 24 hours. So going back to your last thing you said about living in the present moment, uh, taking life by the horns, this kind of idea of our life on the road, uh, we really relate to the mayfly because if we could live our life one day of our life like a mayfly we would have a lot accomplished it's like a whole supernova thing it is yeah truly yeah truly in one day they're just so inspiring and one of the line the lyrics of the song so he wrote me mayflies for my birthday and and it goes i want to love you for the lives of a million mayflies you and me you and me baby And it's just like so sweet. And another fun thing about that is we recorded the music video at the Acorn this year. 
That's true. Oh, so really? I mean, it comes all full circle uh-huh. again, it and is, the yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so um, and also the mayfly is uh, you know it's a very sensitive. It's like basically we look at it as like it's one of the most sensitive uh, creatures, uh, insects in the actual ecosystem. Very because, delicate wings. Yeah, and very delicate you wings. Described and, it like a dragonfly. Yeah, and how it only lives for twenty four hours, and mm-hmm. just the idea that like wow, you know, if you're born on a rainy day, like that's the day you get, you know. Right, so you got to right. make the most of everything, yeah. regardless oh. of what it is you're thrown in life. Oh, and man, what and a metaphor. That's yeah, amazing. and like it's just yeah. such an interesting. And so the song kind of goes into that. And, and also this idea that, you know, in a lifetime, in a human lifetime, let's say you live to be, you know, 95 years old. I mean, that's it's, 95 times, you know, a single day. That How many generations yeah. of mayflies could well, exist right. in a human life? But even 90 years in the course of human existence is just a flash. It's like, a flash. You know, we really are just so... We're just you taking know, it in. Yeah. And we really, have to. We are and we, really like the mayfly. It, it, we the mayfly yeah. is just right. us consolidated into a day. That's right. So it's so it's not about how much time you have on Earth. It's what you do with your time that so matters. One yeah. of our favorite stories to tell is we were down in Arkansas and telling this story on stage and the show ends and uh, this guy comes up after the show and he looks at me and he's like, hey man, I'm an entomologist. And I'm like... I have no idea what an entomologist oh, is. Bug you know, guy. sometimes bug yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, I have a PhD in the in the science of bugs and study of bugs. And I'm like, okay, so the mayfly song, right? You know, yeah. and um, and he's like, yeah, 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 I want to talk about that one. So I was like, all right, so what did I screw up? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. how bad did I get it? You <laughs> know, what are, what are the technical concerns? There. And he grabs me by the shoulders and he's like looking in my eyes and he's like, no, you don't understand. You have to continue to tell the plight of the mayfly all throughout the country, all throughout the world. He's like, in 2021, you should go to all the bug conferences across the entire world and sing this song to the bug lovers because they will just absolutely eat it up. They're going to love it. And we had this like moment where I was like, yeah, that's that's heavy but genius. And uh, maybe we'll see you at the bug conferences. It opens up a whole whole range of uh, audience. So you just never know where these songs, you know, are going to take you. you And and going back to that idea of our lives are just, it's, what is it? I, I have no idea. I it's, actually did Google where the bug conference was. I was super curious. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, it's already in the works. Making those plans. <laughs> the next bug conference is in 2020 in Finland. Oh, hey, there and you I go. So the bergamot, Finland, uh-huh. maybe like February. Anyway, but I had to look up what a bergamot was. So it's a yeah. citrus fruit. And how did you uh, take that? Oh. And then make it into the name of your band. You know, oh yeah, um, where did that come from? Well, it was a it was a meeting um, at a Starbucks in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, very romantic. Uh, you know, I think it was like right next to Highway 69. You know, like right off the highway. You like hear the the trucks passing by, and um, and we were kind of uh, thinking about band names, and um, we had some really really. I don't know. It's just not ones that I like. Bad you know? band names. One of my really bad ones, I think, was Mr. and Mrs. Particular. Oh. And I was like, eh. Mm. You know, I was like looking back. <laughs> but I'm like, mine, I think, was way worse. What was yours? <laughs> so horrible. Backing, Backing oh. forward. What is yeah, that? I'm not sure. <laughs> it makes sense. I think, so we had these ideas and we were like sitting <laughs> around and, and, and I had just been to a co-op recently and I'd never really been to many co-ops. And so I went into a co-op and I was... Um, looking at all the oils and I just kind of fell in love with the word, like the way that the word actually looks like the lines, yeah. the B, the amount of letters. Cause you have like, there's seven letters or right. B E O G A M O T eight letters. Eight. And so it has a nice, um, like if you're looking at like there's four on each side, it was like, it was going to mm-hmm. be a night. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just thinking, Hey, it could be a cool word. So I went home and this was during the dot com bust you bought or boom. The, rather, no, You bought the essential oil. I bought the essential oil and I went home and I bought the bergamot.com. I remember oh. like when, 
oh, you know wow. remember like there was this whole time where people were like you uh-huh, should buy yeah, up dot coms yeah, yeah i was uh-huh. just like all right i'm gonna buy up a whole bunch of dot coms so i did the bergamot.com so we were sitting in this conversation coming up with all these names and um and i thought to myself you know kind of went quiet for a little while i was like what about the bergamot and we were like everyone was kind of like hmm yeah, that's cool. That's, cool. that's oh, really kind of it was kind of a blank palette at the time. Although Bergamot yeah. is, if you look at the analytics, has become very, very popular over the last like five or six years. Many people know what it is. Where when we started, it was like Burgo, what you know. And so yeah, it's I'm been sure. kind of a fun journey with that kind of because it was a blank palette at first. But the um, then what we did was it was like okay, now we got to research the word because we had no idea what it meant. Oh, and so then we were like, oh, you know, Italian <laughs> orange and like what's it used for? And it's like, oh, it's used in like all Te- these yeah, happiness. Teas. Uplift, uplift oh. your spirit. And I have yeah. some English Man. background and that, in my... And that came around by the back door, too. Yeah, right? it, it did. Was, it wasn't... so appropriate. Yeah. Actually, I just realized something. One of those you, names that we've grown into. Mm-hmm. You have an English background, from. and mm-hmm. Bergamot, Earl Grey Tea, is from England. Yeah. And I have an Italian background, and they grow Bergamot oranges there on the coastline of Calabria. So it actually is the perfect marriage between both of our ancestors. Oh, my God. I just realized that right Goosebumps. now. My mind is blown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't even something you, you <laughs> thought about before. Thought no, no. I just realized that right now. That Revelation in, yeah. in, in real time. And actually, if you want to smell you just it, like the way it's right the, next the, to that. Uh, that yeah, that we just. Right there. It started you carry really the essential model. oil with you yeah. all the time. I do. It's yeah. actually my signature scent. And I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah. you can smell it. And the other thing is, too, that's so funny, you know, and obviously like the Beatles and, you know, there was the bee thing like the yeah and, you know which is i'm sure you know there's also that side of like a proper when uh the is a proper you know it's very uh-huh. people they're not sure is it bergamot or is it the bergamot you know yeah. just like with the beetles is it the beetles or is it beetles or you know like what's the exact name but when we but it's um, also a singular word yeah it's like a singular word so we kind of were like well what other band names have like very singular names and we were like yeah and i was <laughs> like yeah the who the bergamot like the Dave Matthews band, we were like, oh, you know, like does a, it's We're actually a good, uh-huh. you know, if you're going to use it, you know, right. you might as well make it proper. And that mm. was kind of, so it all kind of tied together. We we're like, yeah, I think this could work. And then, you know, we've just been super thankful for the last oh you know, 10 years that we've we really grown it. into yeah. it. And that it encompasses kind of a, an energy and a body around of, of, of what we actually do. So it's been, uh, well, if you, you think know. about it, bergamot, it's a natural, it's a plant, it's something that it's a, aromatherapy essential oil that brings people light and happiness and it, it it's a mood booster it's like when people come to our concerts like later tonight when we when we're on when we step on stage with our full band our goal at the end of that is is to have fun is to you know share stories and connect with the the concert goer and and at the end hopefully they can leave and they can feel better than when they came that's that's the ultimate goal that's the ultimate high as an artist on stage and then sharing that love with the audience and connecting with them and so it's just so cool that (laughs) the bergamot essential oil does that for people individuals on a individual basis and and about what was it almost 10 years now when we were in college and we named the band name we're like we're doing this one of the original ideas was okay so we're gonna we're gonna make all these records and we're gonna tour and oh yeah, let's go tour overseas and let's do all these things. So we were just like dreaming really big, which we've done all those things now and we're going back overseas in the spring. But one of the other sub ideas was, well, what if we made like bergamot, like aromatherapy 
unisex perfumes or things like that and now we have that at our show so our merchandise oh really so what oh, so just smelled that's one of your products that you sell one of our as best merchandise. sellers right there that's Terrific. a that's actually a bergamot lavender blend we use a lot of organic natural ingredients it's a retirement plan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you're getting started on it now that's great exactly yeah. it's, uh, good timing just gotta too, plant man. the seeds Wait. early on uh-huh. so that you can just have time to let it grow i'm also very excited because tomorrow we're launching uh, a new scent. It's, oh, yeah? it's a happiness blend. So it's bergamot and grapefruit and in a really oh, beautiful be a good oil. So, too. so yeah, come and smell it. You know, it's uh, <laughs> cool. it's a feast for the senses. You do? Okay. I do, yeah. Yeah, we may even diffuse a little bergamot in the uh, you know before uh-huh. the show and well. So you, when you walk into the audience, you know, into the into the uh, in the Three Oaks you, or to the Acorn, you in can, the Three uh, Oaks Village. We're, we're in case you, hey, you know, there are those <laughs> there are those people. <laughs> There are those people who walk, you know, long distances, you know, and no, but the, uh, (laughs) but when you walk into, uh, when you walk into the acorn, maybe, you know, there might be, yeah, it's just just a fun time. I mean, all around it's just, and that's what I think is so great about returning to the, the acorn is like, it's just, when you walk in, it just presents that atmosphere. You just want to have a good time. Oh yeah. Always. And people there are there to see the music, you know, they're not like sitting in a bar and, oh, hey, there's a band up there. They're there to see the band that's on the bill yep. and they they're so respectful for it and they just love it and the the sound is great there oh, they do yeah, such a great really it's a uh, it's in a listening the acoustics room are, yeah it's amazing it, it really is a, when we a go around the country music. we um you know we always tell people uh yeah we always say that you know when you're born in this part of the country that you're uh that uh, you're basically baptized and wrapped in an ordained football jersey all within the first five <laughs> yeah, minutes of your life. Right. And the other thing you quickly will come to learn as well is that uh, the Acorn Theater is a special place. Um, it's a no matter where experience. you go in the country, that is a yeah. special location oh, that, and special special to have it here. Well, that's such a great perspective to hear that, you know, we're here going to the, the Acorn all the time, but you guys have perspective of going mm-hmm. to all these different venues all over the country and the world and to have an appreciation of the Acorn Theater like that is such yeah. a nice thing. It's just, it's a, it's a well deserved. Thing. It's a well yeah. deserved appreciation. It's an amazing place with great, great people who run it. Yeah, Special it's um, a lot of volunteers too. Oh, a lot yeah. of volunteers, and mostly volunteers doing the the day to day kind of stuff. Totally. Yep, and I think that the vol- and that's kind of you know what we always hope is that whenever you know. The theater itself obviously needs. There's things that have to be done on a day-to-day level. There's, you know, the theater of the just the 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 building and the actual, you know, sure, brick the, and mortar things. But it's like, but you know, you also have like those experiences where you have these open mic nights where somebody gets to play their first ever performance, their first time ever they've been on a stage yeah. like that. And it's like, I think when you see all that volunteer come together and you you get to see what it really is, what it really is, it makes that place special. Um, that it's you know it's just an amazing thing that uh it just continues to to go on and and create opportunities for people that might not have opportunities otherwise i mean i don't know where jill and i would have played um to get that type of experience minus you know three oaks and and the acorn uh-huh. well, that's and, just really maybe weird crazy to think about it was it was that kind of experience and and the kind of response you had from the local crowd mm-hmm. and and the feeling that you had when you're on stage that made you realize that hey i could do this yeah yeah there's something there yeah and and as you're talking about that it it reminded me so the show tonight we the box office opens at 4 p.m and there's two ticket 
tiers, one for 30, which is general admission. But if you do want to really help the acorn thrive, uh, you can reserve a table in the front and half or not a, a portion of that goes to help back in the acorns. Uh-huh. So I think yeah. It's a donation. A, to a donation, the, yeah. 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 So that's for really the, cool. For the VIP yep, sitting. I think exactly. that's a great way to... Yeah. It's a great way to help and, and just... Uh, yeah, keep it going. It's it's the type of venue you just want to you just want to see it thriving forever. Oh yeah, you yeah. just want everyone to experience it. Really, are are you gonna be able to play another song? Yeah, for yeah, us? yeah, of course. All right, well, let me close out the radio hour, and then we'll just keep talking, and we'll be able to have that on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, so you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country WRHC W one hundred six point seven FM out of Three Oaks. And WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And I'm here with the Bergamot. That's Jillian Spies and Nathaniel Hoff. And what song are you guys going to play to close us out here? Yeah, this is a song. Uh, it's called Periscope. Right. And uh, we we hope you enjoy it. It's, uh, it's a song about love and all the... Is nuances. that on your off of your Mayflies album that it's came the, out in September? Yep, it's the first song on that album. All right, well, so. let's go. Looking forward to that. Nothing new like an old cartoon Flickering on the TV And through a periscope I see our lives In my eyes I know We'll be alright, we'll be alright Cause I've been waiting on you All my life all my life I've been frustrated and blue But I never knew, I never knew How much I love you How much I love you I held on to I love you Please see me through When the world is getting me down And when the summer sun beams down on us Broken up with rust With all our trust We'll let go We'll let go There will come a time Looking down the line Truth will be hard to find But don't be afraid These troubles, they won't stay the same We'll be okay Cause I've been waiting on you All my life, all my life Straight 
never knew, I never knew. I love you How much I love you Thank you very much. It's really unbelievable. Is that a newer song, one that you wrote most recently? Yeah, so uh, that takes us back to, uh, it was written in 2016 when we were going to all 50 states. Oh, okay. And uh, it was kind of this love song uh, that was written as like, um, you know, in life you feel like you get submerged underneath the water and all you get a look at life is what you get to see through this little periscope. And um, it felt like that in in our lives. We were running around doing so much craziness and Uh that's when that song was came forth so wow we've been yeah. lucky to play it ever since that's that's outstanding uh you. so you know um we there's so many things that i'm wanting to get to and we didn't even uh, have an opportunity uh we are now in the post radio show part of the show uh, because the show is uh, yeah. uh, um, available through podcast also and we don't have any time limits with the podcast so cool. um, this is all going to be uh uh, outside the FCC regulations, so <laughs> we can swear, it all we can goes. say whatever we want. Yeah, it's a little looser. That sounds um, fucking sweet. <laughs> 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 you know, I just had some, I mean, you guys have, you touch so many different genres, you know. I mean, it's hard to put anything into a genre, but, you know, yeah. you've sort of identified as folk musicians and sure. alternative music and uh i don't know dream pop is that sure, even yeah, considered dream pop is yeah you know i think when um you know throwing in some of the chords that we do and just trying to mm-hmm. kind of explore outside the boundaries of you know obviously in getting into some guitar technical terms but of the first position and really looking at you know how can you express a musical idea differently than um those traditional mm. chords it starts to look a little different sound a little different yeah. feel a little different and we've really embraced that side of our music when things start to feel a little different it's like oh that feels good in a different way let's really see where we could take that and um that's always been a hallmark i think of our creations musically is yeah. to try and push into a boundary that just feels a little new and a little different from what the norm and you guys have been writing music since i mean early in your high school time uh 
what kind of music w- did you listen to growing up? Yeah. You know, what kind of music inspired you? Who were some of the bands? Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. Uh, first thing that came to mind was Fleetwood Mac. Oh, I sure. Yeah. I just remember playing the greatest hits of Fleetwood Mac on vinyl in my room and just... You're not talking about the Peter Green era of free Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> You're talking about the Lindsey Buckingham, <laughs> Stevie Nicks, and yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean rumors oh, and, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, rumors. Oh yeah, just like a wild wind. I mean, all those <laughs> songs. It's like so the cool great. thing about that I love about Fleetwood Mac is that it's folk storytelling with a pop like it's yeah. just like a rocky pop folky punch. You know, very memorable, huge choruses, great pre-choruses. You know, these stories leading in through the verses. And, right. And uh, that gets me excited. I love a good story. I love John Denver. I love, I grew up listening to anything from Motown, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, yeah, Joni Mitchell, all of oh, these yeah. very 70s uh-huh. influenced, right. uh, 60s, late really 60s, telling 70s, stories. that era just yeah. take me home. Some of Joni yeah. Mitchell, California oh. and uh, Coyote. Oh. I just love those Oh songs. my gosh, yeah. me too. Oh man. Yeah, I grew up, uh, gosh, I mean, growing up in the, you know, I was a county boy on the south side of South Bend. I was into some heavier stuff. Um, but, uh, <laughs> a county boy, did you say? Yeah, yeah. Is that like in the not, kind of, not in the city? Not in the city realm. Like I had the, to figure this out for myself uh-huh. growing up. It was, um, so if you go south of the 20 bypass uh-huh, um, yeah, near Kern yeah. Road, you're actually considered county. So I had this time where I would like write. You know, I would like, Mom, like, do we really write South Bend, even though it, we're technically from, I guess, this place called St. Joe County? Uh-huh. Um, and she's like, yes. And I was like, well, is that common, like, knowledge? Is that, like, you know, something that when you write South Bend, it's this thing so, you have to so learn the, growing the, up in Indiana. The postman like, what does will it mean? figure out where you are. Yeah, obviously. so it's yeah. like, it's a you're in the county, but you're in South Bend technically because I guess you get kind of absorbed into that. Sure. Like, you know, there's Granger, but then there's Mishawaka. It's like, but Granger has its own, like, thing where, like, St. Joe County has, like, I don't know. It's a whole thing that I had to learn, like, what yeah. a county thing is. I still want to write a song about that because I think that the, <laughs> the understanding of what it means to be in the county is an interesting thing and very kind of specific to this part of the country. And and because uh, you know you don't talk too much about counties out in California or New York. It's, no, they all have uh, different names. Like even the city of L.A. has multiple cities like within it. Yes, Culver City. Yeah, everybody has all like part of L.A. But exactly, but like Indiana but has here these. It's not like yeah, that. it's like there's these places that exist where it's just outside the bounds of like mm-hmm. I guess the city limits of Lakeville and South Bend. So it's like, I guess, depending on how close you are to the city, if you're in the county, you get absorbed into either Lakeville or South Bend. Anyways, long story short, but I grew up listening to, uh, there was a song, there was a record that came out by a band called Days of the New um, Mm. that wrote some uh, amazing acoustic guitar music. And I remember listening to, um, you know, I was really into some of the heavier Metallica stuff. And um, and, uh, there was a band that my brother and I grew up loving. Uh, This is going to be kind of a... uh, you know, a little bit of a faux pas from the musical standpoint, but I love the band Creed. Um, and so, I know, I loved the them. I loved them, man. And so, um, but the thing was, was that, uh, you know, Mark Tremonti was a tremendous guitarist. And there were a lot of bands, actually, that used to come to South Bend on the South Side um, to do, uh, like, uh, like P.O.D. and all these Christian rock bands, or like heavier Christian bands that used to come through doing, uh, I can't remember the name of the festival that was on the South Side. But there was a music festival that they used mm-hmm. to host, uh, was hosted by... Um, 
one of the radio stations anyways but when days of the new released this record about uh just i fell in love with the acoustic guitar it was like it was like hard you know hardcore music but it was like on the acoustic guitar and it was played with so much and then that grew into um uh, you know dave matthews band and really got into his kind of melodic approach to writing um and then um and I think that is kind of what it was. I think melodic writing in the guitar is something that drew me in immediately. Um, so that kind of approach to music, and that is very um, present in rock music and um, parts of folk music, but a lot of folk music has kind of more of that, um, uh, you kind of have the rhythmic writing. You're always writing with a rhythmic sense where rock, mm-hmm. sometimes you're thinking in terms of melody, not only in the lead melody, but in the melody of the guitar, kind of like in that Periscope song, you've got that kind of melody that's churning underneath. Yeah. And But you've got the melody, the lead melody kind of playing. And so I really got into that type of music, anything that was melodically led, and then Grateful Dead, and then Bob Dylan, and, you know, and then the, you know, once the gates were kind of opened um, into what I liked musically, then I just started to explore, well, who, you know, where'd this come from? Oh, where'd this come from where'd this come from oh okay this you know and so and that was kind of how it all began but yeah i can't say that my uh you know my musical tastes when i was super young were super complex because you know we were growing up three boys you know south side south bend and we were into you know hard rock one one of my favorite stories that i just found out like two months ago so he met his best friend of his life in his neighborhood in the county on the south side of south bend and uh I just found out that when they had met within that first week, his best friend was like a real audiophile. I mean, they were like what twelve. He had met? he had what we called good musical yeah. taste. Uh-huh. Really yeah, <laughs> yeah. You always have your friend who like you know yeah. introduce or, or, the, yeah. or the cousin or the yeah. older brother. There's always like Just somebody who yeah. He was yeah. The guy. He was the guy. And yeah. when they met, he that was like one of the first things that connected on music. And uh-huh. and recently, his best friend Al he told me on the phone. He said, I said, yeah, like, oh, no, we were at Rocco's. When yeah, we yeah, yeah. He still okay. calls me out on this. So we were all at Rocco's, <laughs> which is a great Italian pizza place in South Bend that we had our first meal ever at. But recently we were there, and Al, I asked him, I was like, Al, how did you guys actually meet? And he's like, well, da-da-da. And he's like, that first week, I asked I asked Nathan if... Burn me a mix. Burn me one... Burn me... Give me, like, an idea of who you are. Give uh-huh. me some of your oh. favorite songs. Uh-huh. And, and so... Al loved music. Like he was listening to vinyl, like then probably at 10 or 12 or whatever. Yeah. And so he, Nathan was like, Hey, come over to my house. I'll leave a CD in the, uh, yeah. in the grill. Just open up the, grill. the grill. There'll be a CD Take there it. that I burned. Uh-huh. And so Al was really excited. And he, he went over <laughs> late at night, walked, walked over, got the CD. Cause he was like, Oh, I don't want my parents knowing what's on this or whatever. Isn't that <sighs> no, I think we were like know? leaving. You're we were leaving? leaving for a vacation or something. Okay. Yeah. So Al goes back to his house and he puts the CD on that he had burned him. And he he's like really excited. And he's like, "Is this Creed?" And Al was like, "It was my own oh. prison by Creed." Yeah. So I was Al, like, "I'm gonna burn you a mix." Basically, just this album. So so Al told me recently that he was so so he was so shocked, and it, he said it was so endearing that he burned him the Creed album. Like he was like, "This is the nerdiest thing that anyone's ever done." And he was and that he he was so endeared that he wanted to be his friend. He's like, "I gotta." I got to show right. him some you know, music. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's definitely exposing yourself. <laughs> it is, you know. And, and, and growing up on the South Side, I mean, the thing is, I mean, what is music? Music is what you listen to when you got to shovel horse crap. You know what I mean? Like that's – and mow lawns and like get out in the middle of the day and – Chase, chase down hunting dogs he and do on all farm. the things that you uh-huh. had to do working on the farm. My mom 
like to drop us off at six in the morning at the farm yeah. and uh you know the farmer would just like hey we got a we got a dog kennels that this need to be clean and and, uh-huh. uh, and we got farms and you know and the thing is my brother always got to shovel the horse manure which was actually not a bad gig because the hunting dogs anybody who has hunting dogs they are just like they are monsters man. <laughs> right. they are tough to take care of and so this was what you know when you're you take care of the dogs i'd take care of the dogs the hunting dogs are my responsibility mm-hmm. and uh and so it was just they were tough to take care of so i just put on these headphones and you know i you got to listen to something i think a little bit harder because it's just that was a tough job getting yeah. chased down by bees and bitten by dogs and you know <laughs> you're just like you need something so right that's how my music now were those the days of the uh um the, the walkman with the yeah yeah the CD yeah walkman that was like the upgrade yeah, yeah yeah and you got like the extra bass you could turn on right. and you know just I, oh yeah the bass push yeah that was and, the big and then you couldn't move around too much because it would skip yep and or yep. ruin the tape yep those were the old days huh? those were the old days <laughs> Sweet days, because yeah. while he was working on the farm, I was on the north side, almost on the Michigan line. So we oh, were yeah. I was north side, here, uh-huh. south side, and my <laughs> sister and I had started a lawn mowing business in our neighborhood. So I remember for one of my birthdays, I asked for a Walkman that had the CD player, but it was like a non-skippable one. It oh, had, like, right, that, that was in it, yeah, and it was like yes. <laughs> we mowing the lawn and we listen to CDs, yeah. and I just would like mow and sing and like be black and and, and so it's, it's like funny those we early we days. joke about growing up on the farm, but I was never. Uh, I wouldn't have made it working on a farm. I think I had the job because I was young and my mom needed me to have work, but I don't think you I would have made it. You didn't have a choice it. of whether or not to work on the farm yeah, back then. Back then, and yeah. I don't know. Just, I think goodness music came along because I was just able to save up. I uh, bought, I remember my first musical purchase, really. Um, my mom and dad finally got me, so I borrowed a, an acoustic guitar from an art teacher to show my dad that I was, you know, because he's like, we're not going to buy a guitar unless you, you know, because guitars, it's a lot sure. to learn and blah, blah. So and I learned on a, a... a big thing to, like, have sitting with dust and yeah in your you just don't you're not you don't want to do that and my dad was really kind of like didn't want to buy me a guitar in the beginning and i you know so i learned on a penny and a guitar that was borrowed from my art teacher i did that for about a month two months and my dad was like all right fine we'll get you a guitar like it looks like you're enjoying yeah, yourself he, he, he saw and you were putting the effort in. yeah and he was like okay so we'll get you a guitar and and uh so then i was working on the farm and the first thing i wanted to buy was a boss pedal you know one of uh-huh. those uh, you know a, tone pedal yeah well yeah it was oh. like the one that had all the pedals in it you oh, know okay. like it was like the the motherboard pedal uh-huh. and you can make like wild sounds and you know and wah pedals and you were and, playing a, an acoustic guitar uh, yeah and at that point and then i um yeah i saved up and bought like my first epiphone and then bought and then right after that i wanted to you know get a pedal and so i was working at the farm trying to get these things and thank mm. goodness for guitar because then i went from that to playing at church and playing at church um this was a place called saint mary's on the south side that's been closed ever since but the um i used to make ten dollars a mass and you know that wasn't that bad of a wasn't that bad of a gig so i uh, started doing that and then i had to work a little less on the farm and i could buy some things and that's how the musical you know <laughs> the inboxes and uh-huh. the things like that you know yeah. started to appear in my life but right all the digital recording material and yeah, stuff. yeah 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 because it wasn't cheap back then that's for right. sure oh i know everything was uh five six times as much as it is the quality yeah. is way lower I mean, and the expense was yeah. way higher so yeah. you had to kind of settle between cost and quality and it ended up kind of being a miserable spot to settle but you right. took what you could get back then and you just made whatever and records you could but the quality also I mean they just didn't have the technology Mm-mm. to make the kind of things that they're able to do now no 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 so um, 
you have made reference to a band that's playing with you tomorrow. Is this uh, like your permanent backup band yeah. that you work with? And who are these guys? And what, yeah, what, what I, um, you know, instruments are they going to be playing with yeah. you? Yeah, so uh, tonight we're going to have Cameron Nagel on the drums. All He's right. a South Bend native, and he is amazing. He's actually a younger cat. He's in college right now. But he won the national drum off in Anaheim, California for drums. Wow. And he won in the category of, I think it was age 16 to 22 years old. And when he won that, this was a few years back. I think he was actually 16 then, or mm -hmm. 17 maybe, mm -hmm. or something like that, um, a couple of years back. But we heard of him, and then we did an audition, and we loved we loved working with him. So we worked tracked with him. Tracked him down. We did, yeah. We <laughs> tracked him down but through he's a from friend. South, he's from South Bend also. He's from South and Bend. And how long has he been playing with you guys? Uh, three years. Almost three years, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, he actually yeah. grew up... Um, only about a mile and a half from where I grew up. He's a South Sider. South Sider. <laughs> yep, and, true South Sider. And so then we'll, we'll also have Jordan Swartz and Druber. He'll be on bass, uh, electric, and also oh, stand-up uh, stand uh, acoustic. And I love that kind yeah, of Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. Really, Jordan Jordan's a really good uh -huh. bass player just all around. He, so Jordan studied bass uh, jazz in at Goshen College. Oh, man. And He's got some hard rock roots, though, too. Uh -huh. He does. He does. And he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got married to the love of his life, Ashley Swartzendruber, and they live in Goshen with their two kids. And so it's just the best ever to be able to work with Jordan and Cameron. They're incredible musicians, wonderful human beings. Couldn't ask for two better people to work with. Um, and we've we've taken them on tour all over the place. So we've flown together to Canada for shows and all the East Coast. We take Cameron and Jordan with us in the summer to different places. So we kind of do this whole thing where we have like, we call it the, like the Bergamot Magical Mystery Tour where yeah. we'll, we grab different Don't people. Don't even know who's going to be on it. Uh -huh. So like we just played with a drummer from Ann Arbor. We took him out for about a month and a couple of weeks all the way to California. We're getting ready to work with a different drummer in this early spring. And then we'll be back with... So it's kind of this really yeah. organic bring on people who can come come on the bus doors are open and that's how steely dan did it sure yeah right yeah. the, the yeah. two of them um yep. becker and and uh fagan and fagan, fagan. Yep. yeah right they uh they were taskmasters in the totally. in the um studio yeah, you know, they yeah, just yeah spent hours and hours and hours on like the littlest thing and yeah um, i mean we were just having a conversation about the way they recorded the tape and the tapes that they recorded too and all the details. I relate a lot with that because I'm a little bit of a, a tech nerd when it comes to the studio gear and all that stuff. I love making yeah. stuff sound yeah. good and uh -huh. weird, you uh -huh. know? Um, right. And, you know uh, to, but uh, change it around. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like drum. every recording's like, okay, it sounds good. You know, anybody can make something sound good, but what's it doing that's groundbreaking or different or unusual or how's it hitting you in a way that you haven't felt like you've been hit that way? A specific way before and mm. so there's always that you know it's like oh yeah this recording sounds great you know now let's you know put a bunch of black lines through the middle of it and everyone's like why'd you do that and then you draw a beautiful tree from it you know and it's like oh i just didn't see that coming you uh, know uh i think bob ross was really good at yeah. you know always making people <laughs> yeah. think no he's ruined a great painting and then yeah. it's no it's it's perspective it's yeah it's it changes it shifts with just that little bit so i think that um you know, that's uh, making records is always like that. There's the there's the time you spend making it sound beautiful, and then there's the time you spend really making it a record and making it 
the music that can actually shine. When when you're writing songs, or or uh, more importantly, probably when you're recording, how do you know that you know where? Do, what's the line where mm-hmm. you get to where you're like, okay, this is done. I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to do anything more or different to this because yeah. the way you talk, it sounds like. There's always something you can be changing yeah, with. Yeah, sure, it. sure. Um, well, the best way to know when you're done is to hire a producer because they'll be like, <laughs> you're done. And you're like, uh, give all you right, a, fair. A third-party perspective. Exactly. So third-party yeah. perspective is always nice. But, um, oh, man, I don't even know. As an artist going into the studio, there's been so many times where I've worked on a recording. Um, and on this new album, Mayflies, there's uh, six songs were recorded at a studio in London, a historic studio called uh, Baltic Num- uh, Number 2 Baltic. And it was recorded with a guy named Matt Wiggins, who's worked on U2 records and Adele records. And, I mean, he's just, like, he was an amazing presence to have in the studio. Yeah. Uh, What? Number one Baltic. Number one Baltic, yeah. See, Uh my mind, you know, so many songs running around. Or lyrics for tomorrow (laughs) is actually probably what's running around up there right now. But um, but uh, that was a really amazing experience. But six songs were made there in London. Um, Worked really hard on them. Mayflies, Young Again, really beautiful tracks. And then PDR and LA were both done in bedrooms, closets, hotel rooms. Did you have an outside producer for those? or did you? Uh, I produced them. And then Matt was kind of the person that I could bounce it off of and say, hey man, like this seems pretty cool. But like a lot of times as an artist, you know, it's just everything you make is going to be to you somewhat cool. Um, but so it's not really up to like me to be or like, terribly disappointing. Yeah. You know, artist, I mean, I it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in order to make a life in the arts, you have to somehow believe that what you're doing is somewhat unique and interesting and then rely on, you know, yeah. critics and everybody else to tell you or, you know, whatever, give you, give you some perspective some about what it is that you're doing. Cause yeah. yeah, there's, there's that part of the world. That's like a whole nother conversation. But at this time I was like, Hey Matt, like, what do you think? Is like this, we had a good, rela- we have a good relationship with Matt. He's a good friend of mine now. And, and I kind of look at him as like a good kind of quality standard control um with what we're doing because it was like hey what do you think of the song is it resonating he's like yeah man you need to keep going with this and then it was like okay what about this and he's like done and it was like okay yeah, like, like you don't want that and it's like no done and you're like okay so there is that kind of time when you know um and what i like to do in the studio as well is always stay save versions and i can't tell you there's been times mm-hmm. where we've gone from version eight to version you know 80 and then you end up stopping on version 60 and you're like there was something that happened there that just kind of it was getting at something and then in version 70 it kind of get lost and we'll go back there and then it's kind of so you have to allow yourself enough creative time in the studio to create enough to know what is it that i'm trying to say with this where is it that's going and then you pull back to those minimal elements that give you that response that gut response and then that's kind of i think where beauty's made is it's the simplicity but also the depth so you you know do you get that same uh, experience with a song by playing it live and just kind of seeing how audiences react as a or do you or, yeah. or do you only play songs after you've gotten them recorded? No, I love to actually play songs when we've actually had disagreements on stage where I'll play a song that I think is cool and Dylan doesn't like it, and we'll be like, "Let's see what people say tonight." Yeah. And uh, but I do love we that. Let the people speak. Yeah. If, the, if a lot of people come up, actually, every song that is on the current album, Mayflies. Mayflies was is their fan favorites we had songs that we thought oh we'd like to have these on but the when this when the fans speak all over the world on songs from portland to paris it's the same song they have the same reaction you're Mm -hmm. like all right this is on there and it's over and over so we'll tour on like the songs on the album some of them we toured on for two or three years before they got recorded Uh and played them 
tons of times yeah and you're watching you're, you're seeing and then you could get off stage and people are like hey that oh man that song i can't find it anywhere online you're like all right here we go uh-huh. this is going on the album I'm like, yeah, yeah, that over yeah. And, over. and i also think too that you know um in my head when i'm playing a song it's also tough for me too because I can I can hear oh yeah you know there's gonna be this there's gonna be an aquatic element there's gonna be you know in Periscope when we play it here you know you get to hear the real bare bones but when I close my eyes and I'm hearing the song I can hear it and you know almost like a much fuller grander thing and and that's obviously where production comes in because sometimes you can work with a producer and it's and you're closing your eyes and you're like ah it's getting lost it's not there whatever it is that I'm feeling is getting lost and with Matt in the studio it was like every time he would you know push the song in a new direction and be like yeah that's actually you know that is where i was imagining it to go and um and because there's always this idea of like you know is a song too country is a song too um is it too much this is it too much that does it need a different chord here does it need that because you want the song when you're looking at a record you want the song to fit into the overall perspective of what it right. is that you're tr- the massive body of work that you're trying to make and sometimes those ridges can be a little they need to be kind of filed down so that the songs because i think it would also in the terms of like symphonies you know there's um sometimes a composer will write a um uh, a lot of different symphonies. So you might have one in G major. You might have one in D minor. You might have one that modulates. You might have all these different symphonies. And then what will happen too is that you'll have a producer or you'll have a, somebody who's composing and they'll write variations in a theme. So you'll have this beautiful theme that has come out. You know, Bach and all these other composers have these themes that they kind of land on. There's something magical about the melody or something. And then they'll switch up the music underneath or they'll do all these variations on this theme until, you know, and then that one variation is the one that everybody knows but little do you know that there's like an hour of music where the songs modulate or whatever around that that theme and that we all know that one particular piece of music because it was like something magical i feel like this record is a lot like that where there's a lot of variations on a specific thing that we found early in our careers and i think this is true of any musician writing and working on their music you find something that works and then you're like oh wow like you know, this is ha- something here happens, and then you kind of, for a while, have to kind of learn to vary on that theme in a way where you're not trying to write a country song and write a hip hop song and write a folk song and write. A- you're thinking, no, I got something here. Now we need to write variations on this thing because it's kind of working, and then that becomes this oh kind God. of the keys and everything becomes little variations, and they all become their own beautiful. Thing, but it's also gels like a record. Uh, right, it all fits together in this record. So what do you think is that common theme for your Mayflies record? <sighs> D major. Oh, okay, <laughs> as weird so as that it's is. A, it's a sound. It's like it's a not, specific... Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's that specific, but it's also... Um, it's also... Uh, some other things i mean thematically it's um it's the underdog it's the um it's something that uh that embodies uh vulnerability um i think when you think of the song pdr or you think of mayflies i think the south Bend Tribune did a really good job of trying to make kind of connections between some of the songs and kind of the deeper thing here and i think that what you're seeing is is really it's about human vulnerability so you have the key of D major is like the music, right? So that's, you know, if we're going to be exploring, sure, maybe a little, you know, there's F sharp in there. There's some other keys that you might be exploring around. But when you get down to the music, it was like, man, when we sang in that, you know, in that key with that, you know, those special intervals and, oh, man, there's just something magical going. And then it was like, oh, I want to write, you know, Periscope was written. And I was like, I want to write four more, three more songs that are exploring, taking that song in a different direction and taking it. And right. That's where, you know, musical inspiration and those things get tied up. But, yeah. 
but yeah, those were the things that I think with mayflies and and um, and then in the end of the day, telling the stories and being honest and really getting down to telling stories that make you feel slightly uncomfortable because it's it's that honest, that raw, that real that it gets to a space that just makes you feel a little bit like wow, I'm really letting people into the heart chamber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, I wanted to uh, mention that you aren't just limited to audio that you have taken and uh, use your talents in, in video format also. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. There was yeah. a television show, and yeah. what was that about? Yeah. Well, we, so back to 2016. In 2016, we left our apartment, uh, packed up our station wagon with our musical instruments, two backpacks, two pillows, and we hit the road on a 50-state tour called the Unity Collective, and we, our goal was to perform in over 200 cities. We did 264 shows, all 50 states of America, during the 2016 election period. And the whole goal was to show America that through the power of music and through the power of community that we can be more united through those elements. So we played night to night, night after night, all over the place. Uh, and then after every single show, we invited the fans and people around to sign their message of unity on the station wagon with a permanent Sharpie. Wow. And so if you can imagine uh, 50,000 plus what miles. What color was the car when you first started? <laughs> Teal. It was a light Teal? blue. Teal? Oh, yeah, light blue, yeah. So the, mar the marker would show up. Yeah, it was, very, yeah. It was light yeah. enough, yeah. So everything showed. And then, <laughs> you know, if you imagine after 50,000 plus miles, it was covered in tens of thousands of messages of unity oh, yeah. in every dif different languages from people of all walks of life. And the cool thing about the unity car is that when you're looking and, and reading the messages on the car, all you see is the message. You don't see a skin color. You don't see um, a nationality or uh, of the, you don't see of the authors of, of the, the authors. You just yeah. see the message. You see it and they're different languages and they're all together. In, in unity. So it really was a symbol of unity in a year that was very divided in a, in a divided American uh, culture. And so from that, we recorded the entire journey. So we started documenting on video in 2015. Oh. We recorded all of 2016 uh, and we recorded into 2017. And then from all those years, we've spent the last four plus years of our life going through all the footage with a team uh, in Cleveland of editors and videographers, and we're, we're dropping a full-length documentary in 2020 called State of the Unity. Wow, and that's so, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and so what you're talking about with the Emmy is uh, we were in London recording the record. We got a phone call, and uh, Grotto Network at the University of Notre Dame, they had heard about our journey. They wanted to produce a short piece on what we did in 2016, and the concluding element of that tour, we auctioned our station wagon off on eBay and donated all the proceeds into uh, what was then Memorial Children's Hospital for the Music Therapist Fund. And wow. now it's Beacon it's... Children's Hospital. Uh -huh. And so Notre Amazing. Dame, yeah. they stepped in and we literally flew from London back to Chicago the day before. Mm then woke up with jet lag, drove from half Ogden Dunes, which is like kind of halfway to South Bend, 
and then they we met them at Notre Dame. Then they took us to the Children's Hospital where we did some stuff with kids. You can watch all this under Grotto Network, uh, the Bergamot Trailblazers. This is the actual website, on yeah. the show itself. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so the episode, was it uh, an entire episode of Trailblazers or was it uh, yeah. like a, one of the... One segment. Uh, segment. One segment. And they okay. probably produced, I don't know, they probably produced oh, over a hundred in a year. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's the thing about the Emmy wins or whatever the, a lot of times these awards, it's like you do so many projects in a year and then you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, Oh, that, that's that going to, okay. That, that one's that, taken yeah, off. Yeah, so people like that one. Like yeah. That. And, uh, it was just, it was so special. How did the Emmy not come about? I mean, how did you they, even get nominated? Did someone put yep. it up for a nomination? Yes. Yep. And, the university of Notre Dame. And, and how did they pick that particular episode to even suggest as a, well, uh, all like we, good, I guess. We wouldn't, yeah, well, all that's, good that's, stuff. That's the thing. Like, I mean, we, we had no idea. No well, idea. We, we have, this world is completely foreign to us. We're, we're more in like the Grammy world. We know about that. Uh, but Emmys, it's like, yeah. what? So what what happened is uh, they called us and they're like, hey, we we really love this piece. We would like to put it up, in, you know, to see if we can uh, maybe get a nod. Notre Dame said this. Notre Dame yep. said uh-huh. this to yep. us. And we said, oh, my gosh, that's so cool and crazy. And we had no idea. And, and they put it in. And then they said, hey, we got selected as a, like, a, a nod. What's the... An Emmy a nomination. nomination. Nomination, yeah. We got yeah. an uh-huh. Emmy nomination for it. We're like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, hey, uh, if you guys are around November on this day, which is crazy because we were flying all over the place touring. We were opening for the ex-ambassadors, I yeah. think, in Austin, Texas, and we were flying back to Chicago, and we were actually available to go to the sem- ceremony, like, and we exactly were like, the right yeah, time. Right yeah time. we were just like, well, hey, let's go get a picture on the red carpet and yeah. get all dressed up and have fun, whatever. And, um, and that's on your website. I yeah, yes. we did. We were just like, you know, because just like, it gets back to the creation of art, the process and the creation of all these things really at the core of it. When you start any project, it's just, you're doing it for the passion of knowing that hopefully what you're doing, what you're trying to do is hopefully inspiring others and that you're trying to do some sort of good with your music, your art, whatever it is that you've documented, the unit, you know, all this stuff. So we went into that project just thinking, you know, bonus. This is just, yeah, this yeah, is just, fun. we're doing right. it because for the, for the sake of making art. spectacular and moving art. Yeah. And that's the motivator behind every song we write, everything else, everything else that falls into place beyond that is like, is always kind of a, Oh, okay, sure. Like that, that, that sounds cool. We could do that. <laughs> um, and so that really reminded me a lot of that experience too, was that there was just so much of it that's so unplanned and yeah. so, you know, um, obviously Notre Dame had a great vision to put this all together and they know about, um, you know, things that artists struggle with, with like, uh, deadlines for submission and things, you know, mm-hmm. as an artist, it's like, you know, we run an indie record label. We have things we're trying to get done. You know, it's, there's just all deadlines all the time, but they had a really great vision of how to, you know, how to do this stuff. Right. So it was really great teaming up with them. And then the piece won the Emmy and it was like, we were shocked we were by shocked. the way. <laughs> yeah. So we're there in the, the great, the grand hall with all of these people from all over the place. And we're just like, this is so fun. We're having a nice dinner. We're just, yeah. and then they're like, okay, now category, you know, 24, seven dash. And we're like, Oh, that's, I think our category. And then they, on these huge mega screens, they show all the things that are up Yeah, and you're watching and you're like, these, these pieces are incredible. Oh my gosh. Is that a, are they flying in like a jet plane, you know, taking video of this? You're like, how can you compete with these grand, crazy product? And then, then they're like, and the winner is Trailblazers, the Bergamot. And you're like, ah. at first I heard Trailblazers. <laughs> and I was like, like ah, we didn't win. And then I forgot that <laughs> was just, the title of the piece. And then you're just like, oh my gosh, you're standing up. Yeah. And you, we all walked up. And honestly, 
this would have never happened without Grotto Network. They they're just incredible artists and creators and visionaries over there. So it was just such a fun. And we're musicians, man. We were just you know. I mean, now granted, this is actually <laughs> another another thing of. In today's day and age, you know, we are musicians at the heart, at the core of like what we want to wake up and do every day. But we live in a day and age where, you know, we document a lot of stuff. We shoot a lot of videos. We are producing a documentary that's going to come out next year in 2020 called State of the Unity. And that's kind of what the piece was about. But you kind of learn to be multidisciplined in the music space now because it's all kind of integrated. And it all connects. It does. And, and, And nowadays, you know, computers are lightning fast right and editing software is lightning speed and you can learn things on youtube that you couldn't learn you know 20 30 years ago because you needed to go to a class to do that well now you can learn on youtube so there's so many more resources available to musicians and that i feel like is probably once again another conversation that could be had is like how to you know how to start an indie label and how to begin your music career on your own terms doing the things that you want to do and um and so i just think that there's that side of it as well where it's just like we just we're so amazed to be a part of that because we when we went out in 2016 to document our 50 state journey and then you know do the thing you know donate the funds to the children's hospital i mean it all kind of came together as it was happening nothing was um some grand plan yeah, planned by all of us right, it was kind of like, like well okay, this we're could gonna be do this tour we're yeah we were just this. 2015 we were like i think people are like losing the unity thing like let's go out and talk to people about that and um and uh so that at and least it just was created, part of the plan to, yeah to, to the, just the go tour to to bring do it together. to be able to bring and be able to play music our goal is like can we play 250 shows in a year you know yeah, and just amazing. play our butts off and um and I think that that um, was such an amazing experience of that multidiscipline part of the world that we're involved in now, where it's like if you're out there doing your music, you might as well be documenting it because you never know what project you're going to be involved in or who you're going to meet or whatever is going to happen. So you might as well try to tell your story the best you can, not only primarily through your music, which is always what it comes back to, but in other forms of media as well that are a little bit more instantaneous and what I call instant gratification because you can you know you can make you can make like a mini documentary on your cell phone now and in a couple of days where if you want to write something that you're truly proud of it might take years so you get like the artistic creation of these prolonged events and songs and and then these shorter things as well that you can create uh so you guys are playing at the acorn theater tonight uh, and continuing with your Christmas show, this is the what third of the four stops for mm-hmm. the Christmas uh, event, South yep. Shore Christmas. Um, and then you're going to Traverse City after that, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, I think from your website, you've after the the South Shore Christmas event, then you're going to be doing other shows as well. So I mean, you guys yeah. are almost on like a permanent tour. Permanent. Yeah, it's indefinite. Yeah. Record, and then we'll be back the 25th of April to do the biggest show of our lives at the University of Notre Dame. Oh man! Um, so yeah. promoting the new record has just been a snowball. It's been well, great. So, and you have that album live at Morris. That's the Morris yes. Theater yes. In, in South Bend. Bend? Yes, that oh, was another wow. special that night. Of, I'll oh, bet. Yeah. And when you come back to South Bend, do your fa- family and all your friends from oh, growing yeah. up? They come yeah. out. Oh, so I know the I know the whistles. I can hear like, the whistles. Yeah. I'm like, that's that's <laughs> Uncle Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. So this is like your hometown crowd. Oh, it yeah. It's, yeah. And they're Turn the best. Through. They're enthusiastic, nice. loving, just fun, dancing, you know, getting into it. They know the lyrics. They're yeah. just like, we could not ask for a better tribe uh, from our hometown and, and beyond. Oh, that's nice. How did you guys end up in Brooklyn, New York? 
Oh my goodness. So took a left instead of a right. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say there's, you know, a lot of music uh, being created in uh, LA and uh, yeah, we were actually planning on moving to LA. Yeah. So that's true. Took a a left instead of a right. We, we ended up, we were planning, we're moving to LA and then so many opportunities just kept coming up in New York. Oh, come here for this thing. Uh, producer wants to work with you in this, da, 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 da. And we're like, all right. So we started going to New York and we're going to New York more and more and more. And then we're like, hmm, well, this is kind of a, this is a really cool place. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to teach us. The biggest thing that I realized between the difference of New York and LA is <laughs> people say you leave New York before you get too hard and you leave LA before you get too soft. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I feel you end grateful. up in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great place. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel really grateful that we did, you know, we moved there. We had a producer. We were creating uh, the album that dropped before Mayfly's Tones in uh-huh. New York and really learning what it is like to be an artist, like a modern day artist. And New York pushes you to ooh, places where you're like, oh, wow, I don't know if I, you know, it's so difficult living there. It's, it, it's yeah. extraordinarily expensive. You're living in tiny little tight quarters. You have roommates because it's so expensive. And there's, you know, people everywhere. And it's just like, it's really intense. So if you can go to New York City and make a home there and make a, a living and, and create art there and get inspired by the city and the people, you're on to something. If you don't break within the yeah. first couple months of living there and you don't, you just aren't, you don't leave because it, it really is tempting in those first, you know, the first five months to be like, what am I doing here? This is so difficult. You have so many breaking points and those breaking points led to some of our favorite songs. Forget About Tomorrow has been a a really big song for us uh, that got picked up by Rock Band and it's a big video game across the world and um, so people (laughs) can play that. It was wild. Just the wild things that happen, you know? Yeah. Working on that song in the studio in upstate New York, you just don't imagine, oh yeah, this is going to be played on video games all throughout the country. (laughs) Kids imagining that they're, you know, the bergamot on stage. Yeah. Just wild stuff and um well we also wrote who would have thought Remedy, yeah yeah who would have uh, from thought? new york and that was on abc primetime and so we've had a lot of that that album that we made in new york really gave us a spark to uh-huh. just boom okay you're on the right path keep going it was yeah. very difficult but a lot of these uh songs that that people have loved that are very singable and kind of have that poppier kind of pop indie rock elements to it have, have done really well for us. So. Yeah. The, um, and I think New York too, in the way that it, you know, it kind of strips you of all the, I don't know. I just think that your time, you learn the value of time in New York city in a way, because things are moving so fast and there's so many things to do and it takes so much time to do the basic things like, showering and maintenance and uh, you know cleaning your laundry and doing the things so you kind of are left with this amount of time every day and what you choose to do with that time is it's like well you know what do you want to do so I just remember it was like two to three hours a day would be spent practicing and then you know beyond that it was emails or whatever but it really allowed us to think to ourselves you know we're here we are in New York City we could be in Times Square right now we could be you know wherever you know within a 10 minute train ride you know but you had to kind of really hunker in on what it is that you love because truly going and seeing amazing things and going to Times Square and wandering around the city will give you a certain amount of satisfaction, but not the type of profound satisfaction to me that a great song would would create in my soul. And so you kind of, 
it just kind of prepares you, I think, for what life at large feels like as a musician where it's like, yeah, you have all these things, all these time demands, all these time constraints, but at the same time you're expected to nail that solo, nail this thing, you know, hit that thing, hit that note, remember these lyrics, all these things are coming at you a hundred miles an hour and you just kind of do the best you can to weave and bob and do the best you can night to night. But it prepared us to kind of get ready for what life as an artist looks like, which is just, you know, when the moment's there, seize it and enjoy it and love it and take it for everything it's worth and then be ready for the next moment yeah. and whatever that moment presents and that constant sense of renewal you know it reminds me of getting bread in new york city you know you very rarely come across you know at these at a lot of these bread parlor bread bakeries and stuff old day old bread because it was just everything's just fresh and new uh-huh. and of the morning you know because it's just that's it and once it's gone it's gone and then the next day comes and so that sense of renewal that sense of like daily um uh, you know, m- uh, ritual and understanding really helped us to understand our art and, and, and its place in our lives and how important it is for you us to have that You didn't feel you had that daily ritual when you were living in South Bend? It didn't have that kind of you know, busyness it, to it? It that did, it did, but I think when you're in... Much when, yeah, I think yeah. when you're in New York, it's the visceral sense of like, there's just so much going on around right. you and there's so much... Um, it was like an education, you know, it was like for us, it felt like real world education of like, wow, we're going to sense something that, um, you know, you just see so many people, you know, and, and that alone kind of gives you this sense of, wow, I'm just like a small thing in this microcosm, you know, of, of the world around me. And, and there's people of every walk and faith and shape and form and doing amazing things and, and being a part of that kind of, I don't know, just Inspiring, it wakes right? your senses up a little bit. And, and, um, and I remember there was a time in my life when I, South Bend for me was, a was something that I struggled with. You know, I, I had grown up in this area and I had played hundreds of shows in this area and you hit this certain, like, I got to get out, I got to do something. Right. And, uh, in a very natural way. And, um, and so that time of exploration happened and it was so beautiful. And then to come back and, you know, we just, we love understanding ourselves now is a huge part of understanding where we come from and, and, and this place that we, you know, call home and where, you know, the kind of the roots of the tree had been planted. And, um, so it's, a, it's been an evolving relationship that everybody has, I think, with their hometown and their city and growth. And, but New York yeah. was that stimulus for us to be able to push beyond some of the boundaries that we had maybe even established in our own heads mm-hmm. physically uh, and mentally I, as well. I like New York because it just beats you down, you know, beats your ego down. It's like, hey, you know, you have to yeah. work. Um, nobody cares work harder. You have to be yeah. creative and <laughs> show up. Work yeah. And you have to just throw yourself into your art and you have to push and you have to want it so badly that you're willing to give up everything that you thought you needed for something that you truly want. Yeah. And you know, and I, I'll leave it with this, you know, like Ernest Hemingway went to Paris to have that type of, I think revelation and understanding about his life. And I think it can happen anywhere. I mean, Dylan went to Minneapolis. Dylan went to, uh, you know, Fargo, North Dakota. To and he went through some like revelations oh, in his he went life. To New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh-huh. he yeah. spent a time there. And so it's everybody has a different thing. So yeah. by no means is it like, oh, New York is this. But I think it was in our lives. If you look at the history of where we went and how we went about what we did, it was definitely an integral time in our lives. Of oh, wow, there was a lot of discovery that happened. And whether or not for Hemingway it was Paris or you know whoever wherever you go, I mean everybody. The journey of life is sim- is can be similar. Can happen anywhere. And um, but I think that that was really interesting for us was that maybe we had manifested that into our lives because we were 
wanting it, but it can happen anywhere. You know, it can be in Chicago, it could be in San Francisco, it could be, it could be right here in right Three here Oaks. in Three Oaks. I mean, the journey of <laughs> life and the journey of art starts uh, and evolves everywhere. You know, yeah. I think that's the beauty of it. So, would you say that you've been inspired in a different way by your living in New York? That it's opened up kind of a different notion of of uh, the kind of music that you're creating totally. now? Oh yeah, totally. for sure, hundred percent. I, I think there's think a vulnerability in the music now that we didn't have before because mm-hmm. life is short and those things that make you feel so vulnerable are sometimes the things that you got to go out and say every night because somebody's got to say it, you know, yeah. somebody's got to step up and say, yeah, there's some real problems here and, and, and put a kind of a, uh, something to it. And then those are the nights where you're like, God, I really felt uncomfortable telling that story on stage. And then you get off stage and somebody comes up, beelines it to you. And they're like, that moment was amazing. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like, I felt really self-conscious and like, I really didn't like that. And like, how did you do that? And it's like, I don't know. Like I just, I felt really self-conscious, but I didn't, I just didn't shut up. Like I just kept going with it. And sometimes those are the type of things that I don't know, New York, how it made us kind of realize it. But for me, it kind of made me push me into those areas where I felt a little less comfortable. Yeah. A hundred percent agree with that. The vulnerability aspect of moving to New York and realizing, wow, you know, you can be, uh, this little ant crawling across the sidewalk now. Seriously. And, you know, I, I feel very grateful to have my roots in the Midwest, um, because there's like, there's, there's this openness of like, there's just like the Midwest values and roots and, and wanting to be friendly with people and smile at people. That's like not normal. Yeah, out so there in so the world, sometimes you, know? you have to go somewhere else to, to realize yeah. how what? special that is. It, exactly. And then when you come back, then you can really enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. now, I mean, it's just, it's such a blessing to come back here and, and the show later to, uh, today is, it's just going to be so much fun because we get to see people we love and fans that we have now are friends and, and, you know, there's such a beauty in, in taking what we've learned out on the road all over the world, living in New York, and taking that on the stage. And you hear it in the songs. If you listen to the lyrics of what we're singing, you'll be like, oh, okay, this is probably when they were, you know, you can literally piece things uh-huh. together, yeah. uh, which is really fun. And, and just one other thing that I like to say about New York is, you know, in many ways, I, I'd like to thank New York for teaching me how how to stand strong in who I am and owning that space. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things before I went there, I was, you know, you're a little hesitant, you're like wiggly. And then New York's like, okay, if you're going to live here, it's like riding a bull. If you can hold on and you're tough enough to get thrown off and get back on, like you deserve to live here <laughs> and you have to deal with that. And, and then you feel like, oh, I'm actually extremely capable. I've done this. This is very, this was difficult. And I, I stand strong and firm in who I am and I'm very confident now. So I think there was that level going in. And It's, it's as though it focused you to be, able to, um, to be able to celebrate who you are and what you've, where you've been. And it almost took going there to even realize that that's, was an yeah. issue for you yeah well totally. and it's you totally. know i think of it this way too from a songwriting perspective you can get a high-paced new yorker to slow down for a second and listen to a song you might have you might be doing something a little you know maybe uh, a little interesting yeah. there's also that litmus test of new york it's like you know if you can make it here you can make it anywhere well, that old that right. age old <laughs> adage you know <laughs> you know but it's uh but there's some you know as cliche as it is it is there is some truth to that i think when everybody's kind of pressed to the max you know uh-huh. if you can if you're 
you think about your life differently when you view yourself as a small piece of a you know ant amongst this microcosm and and so then you start to realize one how amazing it is to be able to have a life in the arts and to be doing something like art where um you can uh, you can put your time and effort into something that exists way beyond the boundaries of time and space um, because there's messages in there that are innately human and emotional that can connect with people today as much as it can connect with people 50 years ago as much as it can connect with people 50 years from now I mean we see that with great Steely Dan records or great Dylan yeah. records or you know it just transcends the boundaries of time and so um, being in New York also helped us realize how important that is to be to be involved with as tough as it can be financially and 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 it's no you know just like you know we paint out all the good parts but there's a lot of sides of this industry that are sure. extremely difficult yeah. um, dealing with critics and, and rejection and, and it's getting harder and harder but record it's sales just like and, record sales you know. and all these things that are extremely difficult and um but you're doing it not because of those things. You're doing, like I said with the Emmy thing, you're doing it just for the passion of, I know that this is a good thing. I know that this is something that it's making my heart beat, you know, from a, from a, from a metaphysical perspective of it's really making me feel something. Going back to that original song when I gave to uh, my German teacher, and it was yeah. like she really disliked it. But I was like, okay, so you felt something, so I'm doing uh -huh, something right. There, yeah. um, and I think that musically, you know... Um, but there's so many, you know, and now that understanding, going there and seeing that and experiencing it and then understanding who we are and where we come from and the roots that we have. And, you know, um, I didn't talk a lot about early on in our career about being, you know, understanding what the county was and things like that, because it was like, you know, you just assume growing up in a certain area, you're like, oh, yeah, everybody has that type of childhood right. or everybody knows what that means. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, actually, you're, nobody knows really what yeah. that means. So I'm going to figure it out and talk about it because it's part of me that I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, but that was a conversation I remember having at a young age, you know, when I was like, oh, what does it mean? Like, my, you know, because when you're when you're young and searching for identity, you think oh, I'm from South Bend, Indiana. And then I looked at like the confines <laughs> Wait, of South Bend, Indiana. I'm like, Wait, hold South on, the, the line ends there, and Warehouse is here. Hey, mom, <laughs> like, what the, you know? And yeah. so you have to understand those parts of yourself in order to to come to, I think, as an artist, a more full realization of what it is that your voice is, and then growing into that voice as opposed to growing away from that voice. Well, and that's always moving target anyway, because mm -hmm. your voice is always you, changing, right? And physically yeah. and emotionally there you go uh so what do you guys have up next i mean i know you know obviously the yeah the rest of this tour and this great show tonight at the acorn um you've got your movie coming out yes. next yes. year 2020 state of the uni drops and then we're going to be touring performance we'll be touring oh, yeah. definitely for just oh, whenever man. It, and, and writing and writing uh -huh. and we're already you, now that this album's out. We're already thinking about the next album. We actually wrote yeah. a song in Three Oaks. Did you? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's called "Steady as We Go." It was actually inspired um, through somebody in Three Oaks who uh, has a history here, and um, kind of sat down and we were all talking about this idea that uh, there's in life there's second lives, there's third lives, there's sure. there's first acts, there's <laughs> second acts, there's third acts. It's all part of this continuum of life experience that's not so clear-cut i mean in books it's clear-cut because it has to be to fit inside of a book but in history but in life it's always this like oh are we on act three are we on right. act one is this the beginning we always have this joke dylan and i always have a joke is like when you release a record is this the end it's the beginning, <laughs> oh. you know, and so because every record feels that way. I think any artist who's made a record, it always feels like, oh, my God, I just poured so much of myself and so much of my life into this. Was that now? Is that the end or are we going to 
are we on to the next big thing or whatever? And so writing is always just that, you know. Um, so, you know, we've just got so many songs still to be written, things that yeah. I'm still learning musically. That's the beauty about music. I know enough to know that I'll never know it all. And there's just an eternity of, of opportunity there to continue to write and explore and learn. Do you still write songs together? We do. Not so much. Not as much anymore. I've spent a lot of time writing um i don't know i guess it's in my like nature to want to just be like kind of reclusive and, and in my writing style but jillian has her own writing style as well um, i'm a little bit more almost like introspective and pop-y-ish focused like i oh, man i love like big hooks and stuff and i think it's just growing up with uh you know the fleetwood mac and like the beatles stuff yeah. like those hooks that's like kind of my, more my writing style. So I think in the last few years, we've kind of just been really exploring like who, we, who are we as artists individually, which is giving us a lot more to understand about, okay, well, when we do write together, this is how these elements really work. So it's kind of been a really cool time of exploration for us, which it's been really, I think, really beneficial. Yeah, and I think ritualist, I'm a very ritualistic type person. I like to have my certain amount of practice every day and certain amount of, mm -hmm. you know, so I, um, and that pri that time to me is very cathartic as an artist to, you know, to just be practicing scales or just the basic rudiments of whatever it is that you're trying to expand upon. And, and so sometimes that writing happens in those moments. And I've been on this journey for a long time, kind of trying to learn more about the voice and my voice in particular, because I was born with a certain set of skills and you know I wasn't the person that would have been right up in front of everybody singing but um I knew that I had something that I wanted to say and I grew up listening to a lot of singers that had worked on their voices a lot I mean Dylan had an amazing extremely fascinating um journey in music and not just in For music sure. but his still voice happening. still going it oh, is yeah. <laughs> and he's done these like in his latter part he's done like some show tune type stuff where yeah. it's like Dylan's always exploring music but his voice in particular because the voice is the thing that makes us innately you know Please obviously human and but if you listen to Nashville Skyline it's like what was he doing with his voice there well he was trying to be Nashville you know yeah. he was trying to sell that Nashville sound and I think that that is really cool to just see um, those journeys happen uh, musically for people. And so that's, I think, um, I have a video of me singing on WNIT uh, when I was 15 years old, and I still think I sound like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> but it was like, that was, I don't know what I was doing. I just had literally no clue. They were just like, play a song for us. And I was like, I, I wrote this in my bedroom. And they're just, you know, yeah. and I was like, why? And, you know, but it was, but that type of journey I think is really fun. And um, so writing to me has always been about trying to take what I know and what I'm comfortable with and just kind of push. We were at a, a writing session out in LA and there's a song that I've been tossed around for a long time called We Held Our Own. And um, and uh, we played it for this producer and he was just really, you know, I didn't think it was that great, but he really thought it was really fascinating about the storyline and pushing musically into some different spaces and he wanted to see it go even further in there. I was like, okay, well, that's what we'll explore next time. And so that's the joy of music is just who knows where the next record will be, but we're excited to participate in the writing process for me is always fun and um always trying to find weird little things to enjoying to the journey you guys exactly. are definitely enjoying the journey it was a delight to have you on the show uh jillian Speece and uh, nathaniel hoff the bergamot they're playing tonight at the acorn theater and then they're off uh playing bunch of other venues all over the world <laughs> after that join us but yeah. yes uh looking forward to it and again, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks, uh, John. You guys have all been listening to Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country 
106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, that's WRHC, and 93.5 out of Sawyer, that's WRHZ. And if you're listening to us now, this is the Johnny's Secret Stash podcast available through Podbean or iTunes. And uh, another great show. Glad to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure.